Father, we ask for your wisdom to be just implanted in us and help us to recall it just at will or when any situation comes up where we are to be an employer or an employee, what we should say, what we should do, what we should train for and having in mind that this is something we do for you and not for any earthly master or earthly employee. We know that we will be rewarded by what we do here on this earth in the next life. So we had asked, Lord, that you would help us to remember these things that we go through today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22. And of course, at the time that the Bible was written, you didn't really have a lot of employees and employers. You had masters and you had slaves. And that's the context 2,000 years ago that this was written in. But today, we can transfer the word slaves to employees, and we can transfer the word masters to employers. So in verse 22, it says, slaves or employees... And obey your earthly masters in everything and do it not only when their eye is on you to win their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. So this is a biblical worldview of what an employee is supposed to be like. When slaves are supposed to obey their masters, it means listen to in an attentive manner. If the boss says something, you say, okay, I'm focused on you. What is it you need? And I want to take care of whatever your needs are or whatever the task ahead is. And Christ requires that we are obedient in whatever an employer would ask of you. Now, say you're an accountant and you work at a desk. And while you're at that desk, your boss comes in and says, hey, could you do me a favor? The toilet's knee cleaning. And you say, that's not my job. But he asks you to do that. Or he asks the woman who is the office manager, could you be the coffee girl for today? You know, we have this big meeting going on. And she might say, what, what are you talking about? I'm the office manager. What, what are you asking me to move coffee around or go to the store for some uh, items that we need to restock the break room? Or what about sweeping the floor? It, it, all of these tasks that an employer might ask you to do, no matter what your position, you're supposed to say, fine, great. Just show me what I need and I'll take off and I'll do the job. That is what Christ is telling us here. Whatever the boss asks That's what we're supposed to do. And we're always supposed to be kind to customers, you know, as an employees. Over in the youth group, several of the youth are getting jobs right now. They're getting jobs at Domino's and at uh, Smart and Final and McDonald's and over at DQ. It's their first job that they're taking on. And, you know, the universal complaint that's coming back of all these kids getting these jobs is customers that come in. I heard this one. I couldn't believe this one story I heard last week. This customer comes into Domino's. It's a woman, and she has a pizza. She's bringing it back. And the reason she's bringing it back, and she opens it up, and she says, look at this pizza. And she rips out a ruler, and she says, the slices are not all the same size. Now, can you imagine being an employee? What, what do you say? And the person that works this job, he's not really the kindest person, you know, that is out there. And, but he handled it amazingly well. He didn't want to argue with her. He just said, look, I'll make you another one. Won't charge you for it. If you just let me do my job. 
but she wanted to argue a little bit about the pizza sizes in there. But that was one. And then, you know, <laughs> Dennis, your son, he told me one. I think I re- uh, related this one before. He was working at Regal Theaters, right? He's behind the counter. And, you know, you have everything behind you. You know, you go to Regal and you see the popcorn and the candy and the sodas and everything behind you. And a person walks up to the counter, looks at the menu, going back and forth and says, do you have popcorn? At the movie theater. He told me that he turned to the customer, looked around like this and said, no, we don't have popcorn. You know, it's... You hear stuff like that and you go, really? These customers, and there's all kinds of little movies on the web of these customers that are dissatisfied. They want to hop the counter and they want to beat up the employee and the employee hops back and a brawl ensues. You're supposed to be a good employee, not get involved in fights and problems and things like that. And So whatever your employer asks you to do, be nice to the customers no matter what then that's what we're supposed to do because Christ asks us to do that. We are never to do our own will in opposition or replacement of our employer's will. Now, if it's, and I'm not talking about taking charge and maybe perfecting a plan that would be beneficial to the boss or to the employees. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about just as a general rule, whatever the boss asks to be done, we're always to carry out his wishes or her wishes with eagerness and follow those directives unswervingly. And then Christ teaches us to be sincere in our labor. In verse 22, the second half says, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. So you're not supposed to do it just to make a good showing on the outside, but in your heart, you're just disgruntled. You're supposed to change your heart. You're supposed to say, you know, I need to do this for the sake of Jesus Christ. He's the one that's going to reward me for what I do, not the boss. The boss is going to give me a paycheck and he has to give that to me. I deserve that for the wages, but Christ is just going to reward us over and beyond what we do in our position uh, serving an employer. And also... We serve because we will receive an inheritance. Now, we do receive paychecks, and you have 15-plus percent taken out for Social Security and SDI and state unemployment insurance, and all of those things are taken out. But when we get to heaven, God, Jesus, will evaluate us in our jobs that we had here. And he said, you know, because you worked for me, this is going to be your reward. And he says in verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. So whatever your job description is, you always want to go beyond that. I was always taught when I started to enter the job market that I was to be the first to arrive, the last to leave, the first to volunteer for any particular job, no matter how good, how bad, always be positive with the employer and always be a positive influence with the employees who are all around. Always be lighthearted. Don't be argumentative uh, with those who you work with. And we will receive from God an inheritance or a patrimony. A patrimony is something that a father gives to a son. Well, the father is going to give to us as his children a reward. And you've heard of the word alimony, which is an allowance of money and uh, 
Allah is the allowance and the money, M-O-N-Y, is the old English term for money. So alimony or patrimony, it's a gift that we receive from God or in the case of the world, we receive it from uh, a husband or a father. And we carry out God's will when we faithfully work for another individual according to his dictates. We want to make sure we don't say, well, it needs to go this way or it needs to go that way. Clear it with the boss first. And if he says it's okay, that's great. And if you're working in a menial or insignificant job, uh, God says, just work at it with all your heart and all your heart. Uh, you know, the Summer Olympics are going to be coming up and the weightlifting, or I, I don't know if we already had them, but I saw some weightlifting going on previously. And these guys strain, or the strongmen competitions. These guys are picking out stones, round stones, and this is outside the Olympics, but they're seeing who's the strongest man, and they're picking up multiple hundreds of pounds, and they have to put them on these pillars or these tables that are up there. And you can tell by the veins popping in their neck and the red face that they are straining with all their might. And God says, that's how you're supposed to work as an employee. Not straining with all your might in your face, but you're supposed to work at it with all your might. And it doesn't matter if you're digging ditches, a busboy, a waiter, a gardener, a dishwasher, receptionist, or a coffee girl. It, it doesn't matter what the job is, you just do it faithfully. And we are a witness for Christ. We bear his name and we are an example when we do work as unto the Lord. Titus chapter 2 verse 9 says, Teach slaves or employees to be subject to their masters or employers in everything. This is the second time it's mentioned in scripture, in everything. To try to please them, not to talk back to them. Not to steal from them, but to show them that they can be fully trusted so that in every way they will make the teaching about God, our Savior, attractive. And so that's why we do it, is so people will ask us questions about our life, about our personality, why we do what we do, and we have a chance to share Christ with them. There should be no telling off of the employer. That simply reveals the wickedness that is in the heart that betrays the work of the Spirit in the life of the believer. If a believer does that... You know, if you lose it, what happened to the self-control? The Bible tells us that we have been given that as a gift from God in Galatians. And the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so we're never to act in a way that is just so disagreeable to the employer that you want to yell at them. Let me tell you a story also about telling the truth to your employer. You want to make sure you're always doing that. Because you don't know if the employer is able to find out if you've been telling the truth or not. By way of an illustration on this, one night four college students stayed up late partying, even though they knew that they had a test the next day. The next morning they came up with a good plan to get out of having to take a test with the professor the next day. Each student rolled around in the dirt and then went to the teacher's office. They told the teacher that they had gotten a flat tire the night before and they spent the entire night pushing their car back to the campus. The teacher listened and to the student's delight, he offered a retest three days later. Of course, on the day of the test, the student went back to the teacher's office. The teacher put all four students in a separate room in separate rooms to take the test. The students were okay with that because they had been given a chance to study. You know, over three days, they could study for this test. The test had two questions on it. The first question was worth one point. It was their name. 
The second question was, which tire was flat? Front right, front left, back right, back left. And and that was a test, and that was worth 99 points. And, And so you can find out, if you're an employer, you can find out if somebody is telling you the truth or not telling you the truth by simple questions or you know, just in uh, an inquisition, so to speak, to find out what the true facts were. Uh, and we want to make sure that that we are not stealing. Uh, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, I used to tell the people that worked for me, and I got this statistic, I forget what business website, but 20 years ago, if you wasted five minutes a day every day over a course of a year, you cost the employer $500. Five dollars, or five hours a day. What it is, I'm sure it's over a thousand dollars. Just wasting five minutes a day. There was one case we were doing a large job, uh, and on this particular job, where it was in an apartment complex, we we're taking out all the concrete, putting in water lines, and we we're just doing a lot of stuff there. And I, I had some employees there, and they had this truck that I provided for them. And I showed up to the job. It was the middle of the afternoon. It was about 1 or 2 o'clock. Showed up to the job, walked on the job, no employees anywhere. I go, what is going on? I just assigned two guys to be there that particular day. I, I couldn't find them anywhere. I went back to the vehicle. The vehicle was open. The keys were in the column. I'm and not a good place where we were in San Diego to do that. And I thought, what? what is going on? So I walked back in and I just started listening. And I could hear them. And they were up in an apartment of a girl that later became his girlfriend. And they're just chit-chatting away, just having a good old time. And I was there probably 15 minutes. And they were chit-chatting away. So I went back to the car. I pulled the key from the car. I put it in a secret compartment behind the seat, and I left. About an hour later, he calls me up. Hey, boss, we got a problem. I said, yeah, what's the problem? He goes, I don't know what happened to the keys to the car. We can't find them anywhere. I said, well, you've been on the job the whole time? Yeah, we've been here. We've been working, boss. We're working. I said, really? I thought you were up in the apartment talking to your girlfriend. There was silence on the phone. Nothing was said. And, of course, he he started to tell me a couple of truths that weren't really truths to try to tell me that it wasn't really happening that way. And, of course, there's ways that employers can find out what's going on and if they're being lied to and, you know, the stealing from the employers, whether it's time or whether it is money. Um, Maybe you have a gas card for your vehicle. Have you ever put in personal gas for something that was meant for business I've had that happen twice had to fire employees twice over that one guy he filled up I was checking the gas receipts the thing that comes through the statement and on one part of the statement it said filled up on Friday late in the afternoon filled up on Monday morning early in the morning what what's and I asked him about that oh yeah I went down to Mexico like San Catine and just came back I That's a business gas card. That's not a personal gas card. And so employees may steal. That should never be mentioned amongst Christians. There's no employee that is a believer that should ever steal time 
or assets from the business you work for. I don't mean, I, and I do mean paper clips or pencils or pads or anything like that. If you're taking them home to use them for the business, that's wonderful. The boss knows about it. That, that's just great. But we never want to steal. We never want to berate the owner. We, we want to make sure that we are always up and up and that we always have a good report to be given and that might be given of us as well. And we are also commended to work well even under harsh conditions. If the person you are working for, they just don't seem to be treating you very nice, well, in this country, we can always change jobs. Back then, it wasn't possible. It may not be possible even today, but in First Peter chapter 2, verse 18, it says, Slaves or employees, submit yourself to your masters or employers with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. And I've known plenty of people who have been bosses that have been harsh, the way that their tone comes across, the way that they demand, they ridicule some of the employees. I have seen that to be the case. But what does God tell the wife who lives with a man that the man is not a believer and he is harsh with her? First, the Bible says the husband is not to be harsh with the wife. That is a commandment. It's a directive. Get him in Scripture. It's an imperative. Well, in First Peter chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. In other words, if it's tough going, and if it's difficult being unequally yoked like that, if the wife is pure and reverential towards her husband, even in those cases, he might be won over. So when it comes to an employer, as a believer, if you are pure in your motives and you are reverential towards the employer, you might have a chance to witness to them. I can't tell you the opportunities that I've had to witness to employers, not because I've been reverential or pure or anything like that. And I try to be that, but they will just ask me questions like, why do you do this? Why is your attitude like that? And I'll be able to share and give the gospel. There's a couple employers I have literally spent hours talking with, giving them the gospel, telling them about what's right and wrong and setting them in the direction of a biblical worldview and telling them about Christ and what the gospel is all about. That's why we do it. We might have a part in saving the lives of bitter men and women Somebody who is mean just because of our attitude of faithfulness to the employer. And that's what we're supposed to be after. We are working for the kingdom. We're not working for here. You know, wealth, it has little feet. It can run away. It has wings. It can fly away. Uh, Your job may be here today, but it may not be here tomorrow. If you refuse to get a vaccine, if they pass this legislation, your job could be gone tomorrow. There's so much uncertainty, but the Lord has a way of taking care of those who are his. Now, if you are employed by a Christian, you should even try harder to be an example of Christ. Scripture tells us this, Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. It says, therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. In 1 Timothy 6, 1, all who are under the yoke of slavery or employment... 
should consider their masters or employers worthy of full respect so that God's name and our teaching may not be slandered. Those who have believing masters or employers are not to show less respect for them because they are brothers. Instead, they are to serve them even better because those who benefit from their services or service are believers and dear to them. These are the things you are to teach and urge on them. So if you work for a Christian employer, work even harder. Do whatever you need to do. And remember, the Lord's going to reward us. It is delayed benefit. It's something that takes place in heaven. We are going to be rewarded in heaven. And everything we have here, it's going away. Those of you who own homes uh, or uh, you own some property of some kind, you have to constantly upkeep it and upgrade it. If you don't, there are houses around town you can tell. The roof is dilapidated, the shingles are falling off, the paint is peeling off the side. And if you don't go back in and repaint or fix the plumbing, you're going to have issues, you're going to have leaks, you're going to have damage. And so you're constantly going in and upgrading what is there. You have to do that regardless of how many years go by. You know, the house that I'm living in, it's probably third go-round, just doing stuff around the house, just making sure that it doesn't fall apart. We are to be good stewards over that. We are to be good stewards over what God gives us. We are to be good stewards over where God places us, good stewards with the employers, good stewards if you are an employee, all of these things. And if you don't do that, if you neglect that, then things are going to fall in disrepair. If you're not going to actively be a good employee, you're going to fall in favor with the employer who is there and with the other employees. And so God calls us to make sure that as you're working for him, you're storing up treasure in heaven. You're working for that kingdom. We will take nothing with us. If you own a piece of property, you're not going to take it with you. If you own a car, you're not going to take it with you. And remember, when we die here, we instantly go to heaven if we are a believer and we show up there with what? Nothing. We have nothing. And Christ says, oh, here's a white robe for you, a robe of righteousness, the works of the saints. And he honors us with different crowns and positions and authority and things like that. And just his presence. We get all of that. But when we're trying to maintain everything here, we do it for the sake of heaven. We don't do it for the sake here on earth. And an employer is to be respected. In Malachi chapter 1 verse 6, it says, The son honors his father and a servant his master. If I am a father, where is the honor due me? If I am a master or an employer, where is the respect due me, says the Lord Almighty. And so it is not only implied, but it is explicit in Scripture that we are to respect our employers. Now, after going through wives and husbands and children and fathers and slaves and employers or employees and employers, there was one category missing. I don't know if you caught this. See if you can. Wives. Husbands, children, fathers, slaves, masters, or employers and employees. Can you think of which category is missing there? Mothers. Mothers is not there. You have husbands and fathers, right? But you don't have wives and mothers. Why is the mothers missing? Have you ever thought about that? Why why didn't God give instruction to mothers? It should stand out like, you can only speculate why this might be the case. And with that, look at men. 
Are men singularly focused? Tell them one thing at a time. It's good. You put several things in a row. Wait a second. Let's go back to number one. I got to make sure I get that. Set that to the side. I got the next one. With being a wife, usually the way women think, I don't know if you've seen some of the comedy skits, the Christian comedy skits about how women think as opposed to men or how, how men have all these different boxes that have things in them like work and family and husband and father. And then there's the one box. It has nothing in it. And they go there a lot. They, they just do nothing. They think about nothing. It's just like an empty box where the woman, she has one box and everything's in it. And it's all going around at the same time. She's thinking about everything at the same time. If you have a wife, just inside that definition of being a wife is a mother. It's wives and mothers, usually. It's more rare to have a wife and not also have a mother in the same person. It it is wrapped up. If the father leaves, he doesn't have the children. The mother usually always has the children. That, that's It's all wrapped up in one group. So if you have a wife, the wife is thinking about how she loves her husband, how she loves her children. Those two things go hand in hand. They're in the same box. For the male, it's not like that. I have to be a good husband. That's right there. Then I have to be a good father. Then I have to be a good employee. So the men are singularly minded. They focus on usually one thing at a time. They may multitask in that one thing, but that's how they think. Where the woman, she's not thinking about that. You know, when it it comes to this, what's today? Super Bowl Sunday, right? What's tomorrow? Valentine's. I heard more feminine voices on that. No question. How many men have been thinking about Valentine's Day? Have they been going the first part of the month going, Valentine's Day is coming up. You think they're even thinking about it today? They are not thinking about Valentine's Day today. What are they thinking about? They're thinking about chicken wings, pizza, avocados for guacamole, bangles, rams, Favorite jersey. That's what the, what I'm going to do after church. I can't wait for church to be over. This is the Super Bowl. We're setting all up. By the way, service today is going for about two and a half hours. <clears throat> Just kidding. But that's what men think about. Men don't think like women. Women think differently than men. And for wives, they think differently than men. They don't think the same about the same things. They don't think in the same way. For instance, a man might think, as he's eating the chicken wings on Super Bowl Sunday, how many chicken wings are there that are sold on Super Bowl Sunday? You know, they actually have the news blurbs about these particular things. 1.42 billion chicken wings will be made and eaten today. 1.42 billion. You know how many chickens that is? That's 710 million chickens in one day. That's just the chickens today. That are going to be, they're going to lose their arms for the sake of Super Bowl. That's what's going to be out there. And Molly, uh, how do you pronounce her name? Schuler, I guess is how you pronounce her name. Molly Schuler, 42 years old. She holds the record on eating chicken wings. 501 chicken wings in 30 minutes. And by the way, 
she only weighs 127 pounds. And she ate that many. And she's going to go for some uh, jalapeno poppers uh, thing coming up later. But uh, yeah, it's pretty amazing. This is what guys thinking about on Super Bowl. What about pizza? You know, Domino sees a 350% increase in pizza sales on Super Bowl Sunday. And the delivery drivers will drive 8 million miles. That's eight round trips to the moon. That's how far they'll drive. That's what's going on today with the Super Bowl. Or what about avocados? How many pounds of avocados do you think are being used today for guacamole? 67 million pounds for today. And how much com- yeah, <laughs> how much commerce is going around all of that? And that's what guys are thinking about. And the, the businesses that are focused on that, guys are going, hoorah, you know, let's go on Super Bowl. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's going to be great. I didn't even get into the alcohol consumption and everything that's going to be going on with that. But that's what guys think about. They're not thinking about tomorrow. But when tomorrow comes, women are going to say, why don't you think about Valentine's Day like I think about Valentine's Day? What the guy, most guys are going to think, what do I have to spend today to make sure I'm on the good side of Valentine's Day? You know, that's that's how they think. They They don't think in the same way. But... Women on Valentine's Day, they're going, oh, you know, it's a wonderful day. It's about love and and it's all good. And, you know, it is. It's all good. And so for you men who haven't made your reservation, you're in trouble. You need to go back and <clears throat> see what you can do about that. And I don't think In-N-Out Burger will suffice when it comes to Valentine's Day. So I'd say all that just to illustrate men and women don't think the same. And so if you have a wife, she's already geared for motherhood. She is actually built for motherhood. She has the hip. You put a child on that hip. Do guys have hips? No, they don't. They have shoulders. They put them on the shoulders. And that's only when they want to have fun because guys just want to have fun all the time. But it's this idea that men and women think differently. We're built differently. And so when it comes to wives and mothers, they think about that just as a unit. Men do not. That's why men, I believe, have the father designation and the husband designation. They need to be told these things separately, and that's how it works. Now, going on, if you find it difficult being an employee for a particular company in the long run, a little perseverance might pay off in doing things the Lord's way. During the gold rush, a man who had been mining in Colorado for several months quit his job as he hadn't struck gold yet and his work was becoming tiresome. He sold his equipment to another man who resumed the mining where it had been left off. The new miner was advised by his engineer that there was gold only three feet away from where the first miner had stopped. The engineer was right, which means the first miner was a mere three feet away from striking gold before he quit. You can be involved as an employee and think that there's no benefit in this whatsoever. And then at the end or what you think is going to be the end of your term is when it pays off. And you could be there for years, even decades. If you work as unto the Lord, it's not for you to determine the times of benefit. It's for the Lord to do that. Maybe the Lord wants to teach you or I endurance and patience. How do you get that? You ever want to pay for patience? Go ahead. Pay for that patience. If you pray for patience, what are you going to get? 
you're going to get a trial which requires patience. If you're paying, praying for endurance, what are you going to get? Something that you have to endure through. You have to go through the training of it. But that's God refining us. That's why we have trials and tribulations to test us. And he does that for our benefit. It's like you do that with your children. Your children, you allow them to make mistakes, to fail, so that they learn. And as they learn, they grow and they mature. The same thing is with us. So if you're an employee and you find that you're in a difficult situation, you just say, well, I want to quit. I'm going to quit. Unless the Lord tells you to quit, stick with it. And how do you know whether or not you're supposed to be in a job? How do you know if you're supposed to stay there? Or how do you know if you're supposed to move on? Well, give one illustration of this. You know, the church was based in Jerusalem. God wanted to move the church. God wanted to move the church so that it would be an influence around the world to the Gentile world. How did he do that? He brought in persecution, moved to Antioch. And from Antioch, that became the base for the entire world. That's how God did it. That's how God moved it out of Israel because of tribulation that the Christian believers experienced in Israel, in Jerusalem. If that hadn't happened, we may not be believers today. But that's why God did it for the benefit of those who would seek to follow him as employees. Now then there's also masters or employers in Colossians chapter 4 verse 1. It says... Masters, provide for your slaves or employers, provide for your employees with what is right and fair because you know that you also have a master in heaven. Maybe you have thought circumstances in your life that God hasn't been fair with you, that he didn't answer your prayers the way you thought he should, that things didn't work out the way that you planned And if you look back on your life, you can probably see benchmarks where God changed your direction on purpose. And you can look back and you can see that. But when you're going through that directional change, you couldn't recognize it at the time. But God is always fair. He's always just. And he's always right. He never makes a mistake. Even if you think you've made a mistake and you're suffering the consequences of that, God foreordained that he would use that to help you in your walk. And so when it comes to masters, we are told that the masters or the employers are to do what's right and what is fair and what is just. Micah chapter 6 verse 8, I told you before, I think last week or the week before, that there were a lot of songs that when I became a believer that we would sing directly from Scripture. Micah 6, 8 was one of them. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of thee to walk justly, to uh, love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. That's what God tells us to do. We are to act justly. Whatever is just, whatever is fair, whatever is good, whatever is equitable, that's what we're supposed to do. And as an employer... You're supposed to reward your employees. You're not supposed to withhold from them or treat them in an unjust or unfair manner. Exodus chapter 21, verse 22. Have you ever heard the phrase, and I'm sure you have, eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot? 
What that dealt with in the Old Testament, and that's listed in Exodus 21, verse 22 through 25, the purpose of that is so that if somebody harmed you, you wouldn't double back on them. I think it was Sean Connery that said, if they bring a knife, you bring a gun. Something like that. I think it's a League of Extraordinary Men. I think that's the movie. And so you up it one, going back to somebody else. If they treated you fairly, unfairly in a particular manner, you double down and you get at them double the amount and just teach them a lesson, that type of thing. Now, we have that in our judicial system where there's pain and suffering and penalties if somebody loses a lawsuit and it's just to teach them a lesson. And that doesn't go along with what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches whatever the damage was, pay in accordance to what the damage that had been inflicted on the individual. And so that's one thing that we could change in our judicial judicial system. But the idea of an eye for an eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for a foot. If somebody cuts off a foot, you don't have their foot cut off as well. If you, somebody pokes out your eye, you don't poke out their eye as well. You You compensate the individual in a like manner. Like how much is a loss of an eye that you caused on purpose? When it came to... Um, the idea of a slave in the Old Testament, if you beat them and knocked out a tooth, you're to set them free. That's equivalent to knocking out a tooth. Uh, and there are several things in Scripture like that. But it's the idea of equity. Now, not only are we to be just as employers or as employees or in, in any relationship you find that, that you're in, but you're supposed to go beyond that, not just being just. Fair for fair, hand for hand, tooth for tooth, whatever it might be. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 41, it says, You have heard that it was said, eye for eye and tooth for tooth. And that's referring back to Exodus 21. It says, But I tell you, so he bumps it up another step. Do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if someone wants to sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. If someone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. This idea of carrying something for a mile, the Roman soldiers could uh, inscript somebody or conscript somebody to grab their backpack and carry it a mile. Anybody at all. And so what he's telling them, if a Roman soldier does that and tells you to carry their knapsack, don't just go with them one mile. Go with them two miles. Go beyond what is fair. Go beyond what is just. And so it's just, I I need to be paid back for what's going on. No, I'm going to pay you and here's some more. I'm so sorry for the offense. That's what God, that's what Jesus is telling us in Matthew chapter 5. That's where the Beatitudes are listed. And so a master or an employer is supposed to go beyond measure when it comes to the employees. He's supposed to bless them over and beyond. And if he is a believer and they're a believer, even doubly so. You're supposed to just bless them to the nth degree, as far as you can go, that is reasonable, that won't destroy the business, you know, that type of thing. But you're supposed to bless your employees, an employer who is also a believer is to go beyond what is expected. Generosity, thankfulness, respect, gratitude, favor. All these sh- should be a hallmark of a believing employer. And then we are 
encouraged and actually commanded not to be harsh with employees. Ephesians 6, 9 says, and masters or employers, treat your employees or slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them since you know that he who is both their master and yours in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. So you're not supposed to say, if you don't keep it up, I'm going to demote you. If you don't work harder and have more production, you know, this is kind of like the Uyghurs in um, China. They are just berated, persecuted, killed. Uh, The iPhone, now I don't have an iPhone, I have a um, Samsung but the iPhone, those, those people are nothing more than slaves over there. And that's why your iPhone is so expensive is because the profit margin, which is involved there, and they actually built cities to house the people that they have two screws to put in the phone all day long. And they do that for 10 or 12 hours a day. That's what they're, they're no more than slaves that are there. And of course, they are a godless society in China. They don't believe that there is a God. They just think that humans are the greatest thing since sliced bread and all that there ever is and all that there ever will be. So they have a different world view. They have a humanist world view. But we as believers should not have that world view. We should treat our employees over and beyond what is ever asked or thought should be normal. We should go beyond, be abnormal, so to speak, in a good way. And we are to provide for employees if you are an employer and do not withhold their wages. First Timothy 5.18 says, do not muzzle the ox while it is treading out the grain. Now, this is a, a metaphor. <clears throat> what used to happen is they would have this stone in the middle of this circle area. And that stone would have this center that there would be a post sticking up in the middle of the hole that was in the stone. And on that post would be a large branch that would go out and attach itself to yoke on an ox. And the ox would walk around on the threshing floor and he would separate the wheat from the stalks. And he would drag like a stick or a piece of wood behind that to enable that. So the ox would go around. And some of the stingy um, harvesters, the people who owned the land, they would muzzle the ox so it couldn't reach down and eat some of the grain. Back then, you would have ox saliva mixed in with your grain, and you would eat it and think it was greatest thing without having sliced bread and and that's what you would have and and these people that would own these harvesters and and the uh, the land and the the wheat all of that they were told do not muzzle that ox let the ox retain the benefit of their labor and so if they want to reach down as they're walking and eat some of the grain let them eat the grain same thing with the wages that an employer must pay an employee give them their wages let them receive the benefit of the work that they have put in and the more the employer makes he should probably pay the employees more that's how it works instead of trying to just reduce the employees and where they are we're to lift them up it's kind of like 
You've heard the expression, I think Reagan used it, a rising tide raises all boats. If the business goes up, the employees go up. Everybody benefits. That's the Christian value that is there. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 27 says, Do not withhold good from those who deserve it, and when it is in your power to act. Leviticus nineteen thirteen. Do not hold back the wages of a hired man overnight. Uh, Deuteronomy 14, or excuse me, 2415, pay him his wages each day before sunset because he is poor and is counting on it. Otherwise, he may cry out to the Lord against you and you will be guilty of sin. Has anybody ever taken advantage of you as far as an employer is concerned and you being an employee? I remember um, uh, just another little anecdotal story. I signed up to do a, a job, a landscaping job for there's going to be a Social Security Administration building a private contractor up in the city of Orange is doing the work and they signed me up and I thought the work was a little slow around there but I didn't know it at the time the guy was bankrupt and he wasn't going to pay me he signed me up knowing that I wasn't going to be paid and and yeah imagine that that, that happens in the world and, and so you know I tracked the guy down showed up on a job and I, he goes I don't have the money man what why'd you even sign me up to do the work you know it, it was just bad and the Lord knows. The Lord will repay if the person's a believer. I can easily forgive them and I can just say, I'm not going to hold it against you here. Let the Lord judge between you and me. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But don't act as an employer knowing that you're going to defraud your employees. So we want to apply all of this. The employer and the employee mandates that we have been given in Scripture. Being a good employer, it, it can be difficult. But just being an employee that may reap the rewards after some perseverance, the same thing might be true for an employer who endures the employees. I remember a number of employees that I had. It it, it turned into being HR, human resources, where you're managing the employees all the time and not really able to focus on uh, the job. And, And that's why they hire HR managers. And they come in and they just manage the employees and the an employer can focus on what the jobs are. <clears throat> and, and it's difficult. It's difficult to do that. But if an employer perseveres, if he just keeps on pressing forward, that's God's will. If you want to be an op- entrepreneur, that's great. Just press forward and ask the Lord to guide and direct. Now, there's a guy who did this. And it was in the 1940s. You might be able to guess who it was as I go through the story. This man which age was age 65 and he was living off of a $99 social security check in a small house driving a beat up car. He decided it was time to make a change. He was an entrepreneur. And so he thought, he thought about what he had to offer that other people might benefit from. His mind went into a fried chicken recipe which his friends and family loved. He left his home state of Kentucky and traveled throughout the country trying to sell his recipes to restaurants. He even offered the recipe for free, asking for only a small chunk of the money that was earned. However, most of the restaurants declined his offer. In fact, 1,009 restaurants turned him down. But even after all the rejections, he persisted. He believed in himself and his chicken recipe. He should have trusted maybe a little more in God. But when he revisited his 1,010th restaurant, he got a yes. His name? 
Colonel Sanders. He just persevered. He was one that just kept on going forward. Now you have Kentucky Fried Chicken, and they're going to sell so many wings this uh, Sunday. It's just going to be incredible. And uh, how many people have been employed? And whatever we're doing, whether employer or employer, do you see the ramifications if, if you do a good job and you just persevere? How many thousands of people nationwide are employed because of that guy? And he just kept on going. And 65 years old, he just said, what am I going to do now? You're never too old to get involved in something. You never know what the Lord wants to do. So as an employee, hey, stick with it. As an employer, stick with it. You never know how God wants to bless you or bless those around you because of your faithfulness to him. That's the encouragement we need to walk away with today. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, how it instructs us on so many things, even practical daily living. And the stories of telling the truth and persevering, all of these things, Lord, are so vital for us. We would ask that you would help us to absorb these things, mostly your word, that it might direct and guide us and that we might be blessed, not only here in this life, but in the life to come. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, please stand.